This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Uh, as you can tell, uh, not Linda Swain, Brian Callahan in again today and tomorrow. So I'm told uh, as the musical chairs continue um, that time of the year and everything else that's going on. I'm sure your workplace is a lot like it, too. Uh, newsrooms can be especially uh, topsy-turvy at this time of year with so much going on. Some people off, some people in, people leaving early, coming back early, coming back late from all kinds of events. We all got a lot on the go. Um, right off the top, though, uh, this is News Talk, so I just wanted to mention this again. You may have heard just then in the news. If not, you missed it. If you missed it with Noah Shepard just then, there is um, on the southwest coast in the area of the community of St. Fintons, uh, at this hour, all the RCMP will say is it's an unfolding situation. Uh, not a lot more detail, but they are alerting people in that area of that community to uh, remain inside, the usual drill, uh, doors locked, stay away from uh, the area of station grocery specifically. This would appear to be the area where this uh, situation is unfolding. Nothing else other than that official. Um, so I won't even speculate, but um, we will keep you posted. The RCMP certainly, when they um, announce these sorts of things on social media and through the media, uh, they will um, you know, keep us abreast and apprised of what's happening, especially when there's an outcome with people actually being told to stay inside their homes. So we will, if we get any update, I'll jump in right away here, otherwise in our newscast. But uh, certainly as soon as there's any more information to share on that, we will pass it along. Um, Sticking with police courts, let's see. um, I was in court on a couple of matters today. Earlier this morning, of course, uh, the gentleman accused of um, close to 40 charges, really, with this uh, so-called grandparents scam, um, Charles Gillen, He's originally from Ontario. He's been in custody now at HMP since he was arrested earlier this year. He's had uh, three cracks at bail. Today was his third uh, bail hearing, um, trying to get some sort of release pending his trial. It's a bit of a tangly case. This is, uh, it's also known that uh, he's wanted on charges in other provinces. So um, releasing him here could cause issues there. I don't know. I don't have any authority that says that the... Authorities here are want to keep him because of that, but you can imagine that if other jurisdictions um, have charges pending and warrants for his arrest, one can imagine that they'd certainly be interested um, in uh, taking carriage of Mr. Gillen uh, once uh, issues are, cons- are concluded here, which really, it doesn't look like any time soon at this point. Um, this morning, um, we can't get into de- the details of a bail hearing because the information that is, uh, the, all of the evidence is presented there um, before trial in order to make a case for either release if the onus is on the defense uh, to prove that or the crown if the crown is uh, the onus is on them they want as much information before the judge to uh, to justify either con- continuing to keep him in custody or to release him and uh, today the onus was on the defense and a lot of detail came out regarding Mr. Gillen which really can't be reported at this point um, including whether or not he might get some sureties and people that would vouch for him or put money up but at this point, that was a bail hearing this morning, um, waiting for the latest. I had to leave a little bit early to get here and host, put this show together. But um, I will have the detail on that once I, the day in court concludes. Can't really know for sure what's happened until they finish for the day. So, And the other very tragic, and uh, tragic it doesn't even, it's, it's such a colloquial word, you know, phrase and word we use. Um, and sometimes goes right over our heads because it's used so often. But it doesn't get more heart-wrenching and heartbreaking than 
the death of Brad Caravan in a drunk driving crash uh, in April of 2022. Joshua Burt was charged and has pleaded guilty. Uh, 24-year-old Joshua Burt has, char- has pleaded guilty to that crash. And the details, disturbing details, which I have a report in the news, which you'll be able to hear at the hour, but just to um, sum up, this afternoon, uh, five victim impact statements were presented in provincial court um, from the family of Brad Caravan, his sister, his wife, his partner, sorry, and, uh, and his mother, among others, uh, co-workers, talking about just the unfathomable loss in, an, in a, just in an instant uh, like that involving a drunk driving crash. Happened on Pitts Memorial, uh, Pitts Memorial Drive on April the 3rd of last year, 2022. And uh, Mr. Burt was driving in the wrong lane on Pitts Memorial, driving uh, at approximately 130 kilometers an hour in the wrong lane after being downtown drinking. And those facts came out in court this afternoon, which were all agreed to, called the agreed statement of facts, actually, where the defense and the Crown get together and they agree on facts when there's a guilty plea put in. And these were the facts that came, um, came to the fore this, uh, this afternoon, that it was early morning. There was a, an argument between... Uh, Mr. Burt and his girlfriend and friends about um, about driving, and he ended up leaving downtown at a high rate of speed, out Pitts Memorial, got to Ruth Avenue Roundabout, turned around, came back the same way he went. Instead of uh, going the, we- the eastbound lanes, he went back the westbound lanes, and shortly after that, collided head-on with Brad Caravan's vehicle. He was on his way to pick up his partner at the airport and never made it. So um, right now, uh, they've actually, they're going to continue with the um, victim impact statements and this this phase of it, the sentencing hearing, uh, tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. Very emotional in the courtroom today, as one can imagine. And uh, they will continue tomorrow. A sentencing date, the date that Mr. Burt will actually be sentenced for this crime uh, has not yet been set. That will be set at the conclusion of the sentencing hearing which we expect will conclude tomorrow afternoon. So um, that's one of several. I think it's four now that I've covered in the past year, uh, fatal drunk driving crashes, uh, two or three of them. I think three now have involved girlfriend, boyfriend, where the girlfriend pleaded with the guy not to drive, and uh, instead he uh, races away from the bar, and lo and behold, it results in a fatal collision um, involving an innocent person, someone who had nothing to do with it, and changes lives forever. So that story, rightly so, should be all over the news today uh, with the message, uh, hopefully, uh, we say hopefully, but we see time and time and again and it does not get through. But uh, certainly that was the plea by many in the courtroom today, that the facts uh, put out there for all to hear and to really be able to understand and relate to the detailed facts, because many times that's all that gets our attention. If it's the same, um, you know, sort of spiel about uh, with no detail, it can kind of go over our heads as another accident, but uh, this is uh, clearly not just another accident. Um, the accident word uh, being frowned upon by anyone, really, because uh, as the victims of Mr. Caravan rightly say, uh, it's not an accident. So um, we await the sentencing date on that. On to other news that is not so criminal, and uh, well, I mean, someone could argue that the critical pundits out there could might, might say some of the politics of today are criminal, but not in the same sense, of course. Um, one thing that, of course, would uh, the NLTA and the provincial government seem to agree on is a think tank for education. Uh, this is a new model that was um, sort of unveiled 
by the Education Minister, Crystalline Howell, and the NLTA, uh, Trent Lagnon, the NLTA president. Together, they uh, went for the media this morning outside the House of Assembly. We'll hear a little bit of that coming up right after the break. I'm Brian Callahan on News Talk. We'll be right back. There's going to be a time tonight. Who says you can't start a new tradition? Bringing in the new year with a special edition of the Irish Newfoundland Show, 9 p.m. New Year's Eve. Welcome back to the program. Just mentioning before the break there, the NLTA and the French government, specifically the Education Minister, Crystalline Howell, and uh, NLTA President Trent Langdon met with uh, Trent Langdon met, met with the uh, media tongue tied today, Claudette. Met with media this morning to talk about a new way to attract and retain teachers, calling it a think tank. Here's a little bit of um, the education minister and uh, Mr. Langdon uh, talking a little bit of uh, some detail on it. And following that, we'll uh, have some fallout from the NDP. Today is a uh, a good day for the Department of Education uh, in collaboration with the NLTA and for educators in Newfoundland and Labrador as we move forward with building a initiative for recruitment and retention. And today we're chatting about our think tank for educators and uh, for NLTA members. We've announced that we want to move forward with a, a discussion, a think tank, um, a process by which we can get feedback from the members of the NLTA on how we can better serve our recruitment and retention efforts here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So. Our first, our initial action in that measure will be to send out a, a survey to the members of the NLTA and to get feedback on some of the priority issues for them. And then we'll take what it is that they've identified as the top issues and build that into our think tank model by where we'll have representation from uh, the NLTA across all areas of the province, representation from government, from academia, uh, from the sector, from all of those folks who can feed into the conversation about how we can do better in recruitment and retention efforts here in our province. So we're, we're really pleased to have this initiative underway. I've made it clear ever since I've had the opportunity to sit in this role that I want to hear from the folks on the ground. I want to know how things are operating in classrooms, how teachers feel their day-to-day -day runs, and always give them the opportunity to voice their perspective in the decision-making process uh, from our end of things knowing that we might not always agree on, on everything, but um, that we can have common ground and have conversations about how we can do things better together. So certainly pleased to see this come to fruition today and be able to build on it as we move forward. A uh, great opportunity for us and for the teachers of this province. Uh, we have great interest in improving the system as a whole for uh, our membership, but primarily for our students and for the families in this province. Um, there's a heaviness right now in our system. Uh, there's uh, uh, major shortages uh, across the province. Uh, certain areas are really struggling, really, just to keep their doors open. And we need to come to some clear, substantive change in, in our system uh, that's going to meet those challenges, and is through consultation with our uh, frontline workers, which is our teachers and our teaching and learning assistants, that's going to make that change come to fruition, hopefully. Because uh, the if the information is there, there's no reason why we can't respond to it. Uh, we've been waving this flag for a long time. It's it's of concern. It's been around for many years. And uh, the, our, our campaign ultimately has been the hidden reality. Uh, the hidden reality right now is schools are open, but um, it's, uh, it's not business as usual. We're, we're really keeping our doors open, but it's really heavy on all of our members uh, when it comes to the mental 
health needs that are in our buildings, the increasing violence, and the um, just the overall behavioural concerns that we're seeing, let alone curriculum and meeting the, the outcomes that are expected. So we really see this as a fantastic opportunity. We appreciate government's openness and willingness to, to come to the table with us, but we want to make sure that government hears uh, and the minister hears right from the mouths of teachers, and that's what this is all about. That is the president of the NLTA, Newfoundland Labrador Teachers Association, Trent Langdon, and before him, of course, the education minister, Crystal Lynn Howell. Um, Jim Din. Jim Din knows a little something about the education system, to say the least. Former president of the NLTA himself and a teacher, and he knows a little bit about this issue. And uh, today, well, to be frank, he just wanted to get a little something off his chest when uh, in reaction to this announcement. I think it's another delay tactic. Uh, from actually doing the work that needs to be done. We had, there was a report that was issued, government uh, initiated report last year on teacher allocation 2022. And I, we couldn't ask, get any answers before because the committee was doing this work. We couldn't get anything after because, well, we're waiting for the report to be delivered. We can't, uh, we, they couldn't address it because, well, we're, it's part of uh, collective bargaining and so on and so forth. So here we are. And I'm, I've got uh, what infuriates me is that how many times uh, do, you, do, do you have to be hit in the face or knocked on the head for government to finally realize this comes down to a resourcing issue? I will tell you, I was vice president of the NLTA in 2009. We knew it then. We would make a representation to government. Before me, the same thing. When I was uh, president, I brought these issues forward. In 2017, we had the Inside the Classroom, it was on CBC, talked about a lot of the same issues. Uh, since my time, Dean, now Trent, and I've, I've been in touch with them in all that time as well. It's been the same issue. We've had the Carter Churchill case, which clearly identifies the lack of resources when it comes to inclusive education. Um, we've had ample examples of, uh, of what needs to be done to address the inclusive education model. It's about resourcing. In 2016, this government, they introduced full-day kindergarten, which was a great thing, but they took the teachers to make that work from the rest of the system. They increased class size. They introduced combined grades. They intensified and probably made the situation worse. They didn't, they, as far as they're concerned, it came down to uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. We also had a minister at that time talk about scrounging. Teachers need to scrounge for resources. We don't need a think tank. What we need is action. I guess if anything else, if they're truly committed, budget 2024 will identify the need for resources and put those resources into the school system to make sure that students have the best possible learning environment that they have, smaller class sizes, and that teachers will have the resources to do that. It's got to be a model that addresses the class size and class composition. Otherwise, this is going to continue. <clears throat> a think tank works if in, if, in the end, you're actually going to implement something, and not something picking around the edges. Simple as that. I mean, this is... Uh, I, I, I just get so infuriated because, uh, you know, this has been ongoing. I, I, was, I faced suspension at one time for speaking out at a, uh, at a, uh, at, at a union meeting with the, with the board uh, president, uh, board, uh, the CEO of the board president, for, on this very issue. 
on teacher stress and, and, and the factors that, were in, uh, that are affecting it. How many more times? Anyway, like, you know, do something. It's, uh, like, this is not a big, bold idea, that a think tank. It's they had it for the nurses, and it's like one think tank after another. Do something. Put the teachers in, in the system, or you're going to find you're going to have more teachers leaving the system and making it worse. And, and that, but that's, guess what? That's the same thing in all the other, in, in healthcare as well, isn't it? The same issues. And so when you talk about resources, what you're doing is like human I'm, t- oh, look, <clears throat> I've taught in, in the, uh, in the system, I, in, in the high school. I, I, I can't, I can honestly say uh, that the, the issues of violence, it's mostly at the primary and elementary, shocking as that may sound, not at the high school level. It does happen there, but I, can, I used to hear from primary teachers. My wife was a primary teacher. My daughter is a primary teacher. Uh, and I can tell you those are the issues that they deal with. And at that age, I do believe that having class sizes that in, in 20, 25, uh, and then having soft caps... And, and, and so that they can go, ex, uh, they can exceed the amount is not helpful, especially at the age when children are probably going to need that little bit more hands-on. Each child you put into a class means that 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 teacher's time is is further divided and less time for that for the child who really needs it. And I think that if you talk and I have I, I talk to prim, uh, teachers, primary high school, that's the hard part that they face is that they uh, that they know. Um, that they can't that they can't provide the time. I've talked to principals even during COVID throughout and when I was president, trying they would spend so much time trying to get the extra resources from the, uh, the uh, from the district from the government only to be told no, and basically. Don't ask, because you're not getting it. That's what we heard in the Carter Churchill case, by the way, very clearly from the district and from the, uh, the department. Like, you know, there's that don't ask, you're not getting it uh, attitude. We don't have the resources. I think, honest to God, that calling this, ta- this think tank is just another way so that government doesn't have to spend the money uh, and invest in the children uh, and, uh, in, in, in the province. That's what this comes down to. Uh, Report after report has identified it. We had it. We had put it. We had a proposal at one time, of a formula of looking at a, uh, when it came to addressing class composition and class size. That's gone out the window. I understand why the NLTA is engaged in this, and I know that they're going to be pushing for the resources. But I will tell you, the measure of success for me is that come budget 2024 that there's going to be something clearly there that will address class size and class composition, period. And that's, what it's going, that's when I'm going to know that they're going to take it seriously. Otherwise, it's just fluff and window dressing and a way to delay making any, any real meaningful decision. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I got that out of my chest. I feel like it just gone, I feel like it just gone to my father confessor. <laughs> That is the um, NDP leader, Jim Din, right there, uh, scrumming with reporters. And, you know, often after I left that little bit in at the end there, because after a lot of times with the scrums, um, you know, there'll be a little back and forth that we sometimes miss. But uh, I think that one uh, just showed how frustrated uh, Jim Din, who comes from a place of great experience when it comes to education, to say the least, his 30 years in the classroom and, uh, of course, with the NLTA. Um, yeah, I mean, that experiences everything in this. So 
he seems to, uh, to say the least, a little bit cynical of the uh, motivations here. Um, coming up, though, after the break, uh, we're getting up close to news time here. We'll have an update, I think, from Noah on uh, whether there is an update on the situation in Fintons on the West Coast. We don't want to leave that too far from the radar. If you're just joining us, um, there is apparently an ongoing situation in Fintons. That's on the southwest coast of the province. Um, just an unfolding situation, we're told, by the RCMP at this point. But they are asking people in that area to remain inside their homes. Uh, doors locked, uh, at least until they get the all clear. Um, again, we don't stay, we don't know any more detail than that, other than they are asking people to stay away from the area of the station grocery in the community there. So uh, please heed the advice. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll have uh, more as it uh, becomes available. But right now, we are in holding pattern on that. Of course, if anyone's in that area on the West Coast, um, that's exactly what this show is all about, News Talk. If you, um, if you want to share anything that you know about what's happening there, even if you can see and you happen to uh, see police on the road or you're witnessing out your window any of the ongoing uh, situation there, by all means, give us a shout. 709-273-5211 is the local number. No, you don't want that number. Uh, we want uh, 273. No, we don't. We want 1-888-590-VOCM. Okay, I'll get it right. Thanks, Claudette. It's strange, you know. 8626. 8626 <laughs> is VOCM. That's right. I should know it. Uh, why don't you say it, Claudette? You have a much more pleasing tone. No, I don't. But one triple eight five ninety eighty six twenty six. Oh, I, I do. Uh, you do have a much nicer tone. <laughs> Come on, you're the voice of the afternoon. Um, I'm not going to even compete with that. You should have all the public service announcements if I put, <laughs> if I'm saying them. And I'd love to get to this. I really would love to get to this updated Gen Z Gen Z dictionary. Oh yeah. That our very own Sarah Strickland put together. This is hilarious. She put it together on her own. Uh, update. It's um, a, a guide for people like me and you, I guess, who are not Gen Z. Well, I, <laughs> I kind of think what sparked this whole thing of her giving us a, a dictionary was on Wednesday. I have this feature called Wordsmith Wednesday where Greg comes in mm-hmm. and talks about a word. And the word that we used um, was Riz. And um, That's it's on a here. Gen Z. Right. It's it's one of those Gen Z words that neither one of us had a clue what <laughs> what it was. And so then she did a whole dictionary yep. for us of words that uh, we should know. And boy, I got to say. <laughs> Banger. I know that one. Very good quality. I love the way she's got this done. This is not just, by the way, a uh, little bit of chicken scratches. This no. is a formal document. Yep. I thought it was like a new Canadian press style guide or something. <laughs> but it's a formal document. Uh, it's done alphabetically and... Uh, it's got three different uh, categories, all lovely laid out, the slang, the meaning, and the example even. So uh, maybe we should post this online. This is good stuff. And I'm gone past news. Okay, let's go to Noah, get the uh, latest news, and we'll come back and maybe we'll gab some more about the updated Gen Z dictionary. We'll also hear a little bit from Paul Davis at The Gathering Place. Um, who else have we got? Pitcher NL, a little update on from Laura Churchill. I'm the CEO of Pitcher NL. And maybe even a little bit of what was the other piece of news I was going to share. I better not because it might not come through. So we'll go on to news and we'll be right back on News Talk. Uh, Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. We'll see you after news. Make a request anytime by calling 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. And your request just might win you a cozy VOCM winter toque. Your Merry Christmas station. Your VOCM. Thank you very much, Noah. Back on News Talk with you. Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain today and tomorrow, apparently. So they tell me. 
And uh, just for the break, Claudette and I were just um, gabbing about this updated Gen Z dictionary that now we have another document that we have to peruse over and get familiar with. And Claudette, feel free to join me here because I think I'm just as uh, in the dark with some of these as I am. But we have the author, <laughs> the creator. <laughs> Of the updated Gen Z dictionary, live and in person in the uh, in the VOCM studio. Hey, Sarah Strickland, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Cal? I'm I'm great, and uh, I baller? was great until I, I'm, <laughs> hold on. Let me look down. Baller, baller. Yes, I'm baller. <laughs> um, I'm but actually not ball in. I'm e- I'm even bussing. <laughs> oh, it's cringe. If I'm top tier, I don't know. There are. Uh, we should have made a contest out of this, Claudette. So this is literally. It, it, this is not an informal thing. This is this is alphabetical. It's got examples. What uh, would you say might be? I don't know how to go about this, but um, maybe some of the Gen Zs out there can can call in. But okay, so some of these obvious ones. So baller, yes. Okay, very cool, very incredible. Big ball and even more extreme version of baller. That's hilarious. So like you're it. big balling, like you got it going on. But then there's big balling. That's crying a lot. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> like we would say it in high school. I was big balling because I got my test back. Okay. Right? Yeah, but didn't you? Okay, so if big balling, what's the difference between big balling and a big balling? The W. But it's like your tone <laughs> and the context of the situation. Okay. I do want to mention that because it's, it's hard to hear the difference between ballin and ballin with a W. You got to know the situation. Okay, okay. So it's contextual. Exactly. Okay. The Oxford Dictionary <laughs> Word of the Year is included in this. Yes, I heard that. Then. It is on page two. Okay. Because this is four pages. Yes. Want to mention? Uh, Riz is the yes. uh, word of the year, which Claudette, uh, you were talking about yesterday. Trying to. Do we know anyone who has Riz? That's the ability to charm someone. Am I correct? Yeah, it is. And but your and your example happens to be Sarah has Riz of W Riz. Well, ask my partner, and she will agree. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so maybe w I won't ask. Riz, she said. So that's winning, is it? Claudette, I can't hear you from back here. I didn't have Tom grab a headset. Oh. He was like, I want to talk about this dictionary, so oh, I can't hear you on your end. I'm going to let the two of you guys have a, conv- a I was, conversation. I was big, big Mary to get out here real Mary Rismus, I love it. Uh, that was from Claudette. <laughs> I have no, look, I'm just in the middle here. I'll try to. Uh, Claudette's favorite, though, because uh, I brought her a copy, was Delulu. Delulu. Let me look at, where is that? Uh, Delulu. And what does this mean? Oh, Delulu. Delusional. means delusional. Oh, yeah, I, I feel you there. So on TikTok, it's common to say being Delulu is the Salulu. And so your example is the boss man is so Delulu because he thinks his dad jokes are funny. Yeah, a lot of this is catered towards uh, <laughs> boss, which is what I call Greg Smith, boss mans. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever called him Greg, uh, uh, unless I'm mad at him. Sorry, no, Greg. No, no, it's uh, a term of endearment, man. right? So boss mans, it's all catered to boss mans because uh, last year he just kind of looked at me and he said I don't know what you're saying half the time Mm -hmm. so I sat down started doing this word doc sent it to him and then yesterday I was inspired by the chat that he had with Claudette and I said you know what this needs to be updated we have a lot more new words and uh, here we are we have four pages now four pages Um, I notice here Sarah I don't know if some of this is just um, um, gratuitous on your part but let me see facts F A C T S, also written as F A X, facts. That means the truth. Okay. Um, and then your example is Sarah is my favorite employee. Facts. Exactly. Which is something I would imagine that boss mans would say to me. <laughs> A lot of these examples I give are 
me hyping myself up. No. I right? never like, would have guessed. Okay. Sarah good. is such a baller. Period. What yep. do you think that period yep. means? Agreed. Yep. Uh, wig means something has blown you away to the point where if you wore a wig, it'd be gone. Like you're right shocked. So Sarah is back in the newsroom. Oh my God, wig. Wig, like that is awesome. <laughs> That's so baller. Oh my God. Uh, drip, you are wearing it's a Growler's hoodie right now. Yes. That is drip. That's shameless promotion is what that is. Um, <laughs> and I can't tell you how important it was to get you in here for this. Uh, you know, we had to move some pretty important pieces. I to know, right? This is breaking news. I might publish this. And Stan? Stan? Like, you know, I'm a Blue Jays stan. It's just another word for fan. Isn't that just misspoken? No. Okay, so you're it's, a VOCM stan. Okay. I am. I love the station. Okay. Anything else you'd like to po- you know, point out? Uh, something uh, different, original, and really good one uh, before we let you go? Roman uh, Empire. <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones because there was a trend uh, on TikTok. Apparently, men tend to think of the Roman Empire quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's become a... Roman Empire now is used as something you think about a lot. So my example for this one is Pa Simon, which is my cat, is my Roman Empire because I think of my cat a lot. Until now, I did not realize that your cat's first name was Pa and not Paul. Yep, it's Pa Simon because he's a cat. You get it? Okay. Well, Sarah, this has been lovely. (laughs) Thank you, Cal. Uh, this has not been lovely. This has been baller. This has been baller. Period. Yeah. And uh, even big balling, maybe, even. But not crying. But not crying. Although there are cries of almost happiness and joy that we were able to do this today. Get into it, Cal. Yeah, I'll work on that. That's something else for me to study. I'll get right at it sometime in the new year. Thanks, Cal. Sarah Strickland. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I got to tell you, you continue to um, uh, flip the dial as uh, since coming on here. Oh, what? When was your anniversary? Uh, I came here May of 2022. May of 2022. Uh, You're 20 years old now, if you don't mind me saying. I was 18 at the time, and now I am 20. I can't believe how you've grown over those two years (laughs) and uh, surpassed many of our thinking here, too, as well. Sarah Strickland, thanks a lot for everything you do. Thank you, Cal. Thanks for giving us this uh, Gen Z updated dictionary. Okay, I'll take it home and study. Thanks so much. (laughs) Um, Moving on. I can't think of a better segue than to talk about the gathering place. You know, like gathering letters, gathering words, gathering phrases, gathering people, sheltering people. Geraldine Mackey was down at the gathering place today, and uh, there's a lot going on. As a matter of fact, when I was on my way to the court this morning, most of the Basilica parking lot was blocked off because these uh, two massive cement trucks were there pouring cement. And you know how they have these long arms that go high in the air, higher than the Basilica, actually. And they were pouring cement, and I thought, hmm, what's going on there? And then lo and behold, Jerry Lynn uh, messaged, Jerry Lynn Mackey, of course, of Morning Show fame, messaged and said she was down there, and they were doing um, working on the latest Renos for the Mercy House, of course, which is next to the Basilica, as the gathering place continues to expand, as we all know, as the need for shelter expands. And um, she was lucky enough to catch up with the CEO of the gathering place, the executive director, Paul Davis, former RNC himself, former chief, former, former chief, not former chief, former RNC spokesperson, former premier, Paul Davis. A lot of the work that really got started was started by some seed funding that was donated from a community member? Yeah, so the the, the last sister moved out of what the former 
Sisters of Mercy Convent on Military Road, which is the space we're talking about. Uh, the last one's moved out in 2020, but the sisters before then had a, a dream and a, a, a vision that it could become a housing project or housing space for those who are without, you know, the permanent shelter, the transitional housing, and the supportive housing. And, of course, funding is always, uh, is always a challenge. So Patrick O'Callaghan, who's well-known in the community, you know, Irish roots, and, uh, but very loyal to the community, very thankful and appreciative that um, he's been able to be successful in business here because of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, and he wanted to give back. So he gave a $2 million donation to kickstart the Mercy House project and the, the new shelter uh, project. And the shelter is going to be called O'Callaghan's Haven uh, in honor of his uh, significant contribution. And his funds actually allowed the gathering place then to leverage uh, other funds and partner with the provincial government through Newfoundland Labor Housing and also the federal government through CMHC to have sufficient funding to be able to get the project underway. So it takes a huge heart for someone to donate that kind of money to a project like this and also talk about foresight for the Sisters of Mercy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they're, I, I admire them so often and how, they, uh, how they've seen the future and what they've done. They, you know, they came to Newfoundland originally to establish education and to be educators. And not only did they teach, but the building we're in here is a school they built. They built this and school. They built, yeah. And they built, right, they built St. Clair's Mercy Hospital. They built Holy Heart uh, with, in partnership with Presentation. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And the bowling alley, they built uh, St. Patrick's Mercy Home, and they're still they still are active with St. Patrick's Mercy Home as they are with with the gathering place as as partners. So they've done so much, and and while their population is you know declining right now, uh, they still uh, feel these these ministries, as they refer to them as these operations, are still are very very important to them, and they're also important to us. We have two sisters, Sister Maggie Taylor and Sister Rosemary Ryan, who still volunteer on Tuesdays. They are an absolute riot to be around. Uh, if you're if you're having a down day, they, they don't allow that to happen, and they certainly turn that around and you motivate uh, other volunteers, and they're just a joy and a pleasure to have here uh, on Tuesdays when they come in and, and do their work. So they come in early, you know, come in Tuesday mornings, and they're here till uh, afternoon until the lunch service is completed. But uh, they're kind of, when they come in, it's kind of get out of their way because they got work to do, and uh, they're going to see that it gets done. Uh, Paul Davis there, uh, head of the gathering place of course down downtown St. John's and he ain't kidding when it comes to the uh, Mercy Nuns and uh, they mean business they certainly did when they were adjudicating my piano lessons when I was 10 years old I I think I feared going to the Mercy House for my exams, music exams Claudette than I did uh, going to the school where the brothers were teaching me to be honest, I think I feared the nuns more than the brothers that'll tell you something um, they walked silently with big sticks. I know I remember that down the hallways and the shoes would make you quiver. Anyway, that's my pontification on the my memories of Mercy House. There's a lot um, more important things going on down there these days. And they are doing their best to accommodate all of the people who really need some kind of shelter and help down. Um, we all know the numbers are growing every single day. Um, up to our last break for the day on News Talk here. Uh, Brian Callahan and for Linda Swain. Uh, when we come back, a little bit of uh, film and um, uh, the film industry and an update on Pitcher NL, formerly the Newfoundland Labrador Film Development Corp. Noah Shepard had a good chat with Laura Churchill, the CEO of the new Pitcher NL, and we'll have that right after the break um, here on News Talk. 
Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Back to the program. Uh, as advertised just before the break, uh, this is the time of year when we do a lot of year-end interviews and try to have a just a full circle look back on um, on the year that was on many different fronts, including the arts uh, and and specifically uh, Pitcher NL, which underwent a metamorphosis of sorts and a rebranding this year. Here's Noah Sh- Shepard's chat with CEO Laura Churchill. Well, first off, Laura, of course, it's been a big year for Picture NL. In fact, it became Picture NLs. What has this rebrand brought to the organization? Of course, yeah. I mean, formerly we were known as the Newfoundland and Labrador Film Development Corporation, um, you know, which doesn't quite roll off the tongue, <laughs> I don't think, uh, as well as Picture NL. Um, and that idea was kind of born we, we with the announcement of the new all-spend tax credit and trying to drive service production and guest production here to Newfoundland and Labrador. We wanted something that more accurately reflected um, the work that we do and the work that we want to do. Um, uh, it was it was actually a fantastic name that was uh, done in house uh, under the uh, communications group with the Department of Tourism, and they came up with it in the vein of picture yourself in Newfoundland and Labrador, picture your production here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then also it's always that nice key um, nostalgic bit of like keeping the kid in the picture uh, to have that kind of film essence along with it as well. So uh, it's it's really exciting time and we think that that rebrand uh, really captures what it is um, we're doing currently and, and the big dreams we have in the future. And what have been some of the big successes of 2023? Yeah, it's been an incredibly busy and successful year for us. Uh, we're and when I say us, the entire industry, um, film and television in Newfoundland and Labrador. I mean, just to, to name a few things, The King Tide, uh, this fantastic feature film that was shot uh, out in the Bonavista Peninsula, uh, was a part of this year's TIFF platform program, an extremely prestigious program. Um, and we haven't had a big TIFF uh, feature film in a little while, so that was uh, really exciting for all of us. Um, we can take a look at our television series. So Son of a Critch, um, ha- season one and two are now airing in the U.S. Uh, with their partnership with the CW. Uh, season three has wrapped and will actually be on air on January 25th. So everyone should definitely stay tuned for that. Um, our other t- really strong uh, TV show, Hudson and Rex, reached a landmark 100 episodes this year, which is uh, amazing. Um, so that would be at the, in season six that just completed filming. It won the Audience Choice Award at the Canadian Screen Awards uh, this past year. Uh, It's also sold in over 120 territories globally um, and most recently picked up by audiences in Japan. So uh, it's, it's very, very exciting. Um, also, if we look at some of our other projects, uh, I'm sure most people are very familiar with all these fabulous uh, Christmas movies, uh, these type of movie of the week. You see them at Hallmark Channel, that type of thing. Um, that company, Fireside, uh, the owner of that actually moved to Newfoundland and Labrador um, from Ottawa with the hopes and dreams of you know, creating this production company and really having a, a training ground for up-and-coming uh, you know, film technicians and workers. And they've, uh, over the past year and a half, have completed 10 films, which is an incredible feat uh, and really exciting to 
to kind of see our hometown um, on on the screen in that way. Seeing companies like that, like Fireside, that are relocating to Newfoundland and Labrador, what does that say about the industry? I think it shows how huge, um, you know, the growth has been over the past few years, how well we fostered um, our, our filmmakers, our film technicians here. So we have extremely strong crews. Uh, I think our locations are top notch and, and have not been filmed, uh, you know, to the broad, to broader audiences and brought to the screen in that way. So being able to showcase that has um, certainly elevated everything we're doing here. And, you know, I have to say the provincial governments, their support in our tax incentives in what uh, we do here at Picture NL and their support of artists um, has has really elevated everyone's ability to do the best work they can and, and showcase uh, everything we're doing here right now. We've also seen now a couple years old, the uh, film school with CNA. Uh, what has been the impact of having an institution like that in the province? It's been amazing. Um, it's right now we're seeing between 60 and 80 graduates that will be coming out of that program. Um, we're working very closely. The industry as a whole uh, is working very closely with College of the North Atlantic to provide, you know, what the industry needs for our film to for our industry to grow, but also what these students need to be able to live and work here in Newfoundland and Labrador in a highly skilled marketplace. So that's really exciting. And not only are they technicians, but we're seeing a lot of creative aspects. So young filmmakers that kind of get that excitement um, that this industry kind of brings at an early age and, and kind of keep them here and keep developing these stories that are, um, you know, truly, uh, you know, new voices for what Newfoundland Labrador has to offer. And I remember when the film school uh, first popped up, I covered that event, and one of the big things that they were saying is it was uh, sort of designed to create more of a workforce so companies wouldn't have to bring in as much labor from far away. Are we seeing a lot of that still happening? Like, are companies having to source labor elsewhere, or is there more of a workforce here? There's certainly more of a workforce here. Um, it is always a work in process. I think that the challenge is the need for content is so high with streaming capabilities, um, you know, fast channels, everything, um, that it's hard to actually keep up with the industry globally. Uh, so we're kind of doing our part to bring that to you. I will say the number of, um, you know, new entrants in the industry has certainly grown. I think we'll always see partnerships with other provinces and territories, um, but really that's a good thing we'll have our film technicians our students learning uh from those individuals to be able to elevate the work that they're doing um so you know we're not at a place yet where we're going to be able to do 100 percent newfoundland and labrador workers on these larger productions uh but we're certainly getting there and that school is a major part of being able to get to be there and in terms of uh, things like mentorship opportunities and learning on the job, are there uh, many opportunities there for people who are interested in sort of that route? Definitely. Uh, I mean, I would have to say with the Newfoundland Independent Filmmakers Co-op um, and also with the guilds and unions, everyone is very open to bring people into the fold in film and television and, you know, bring their skills to the table to be able to create more work here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So, um, I mean, I think we're certainly on our way and it's benefiting everyone. 
you were talking about the uh, Hallmark movies that were coming out before and, uh, you know, specifically, uh, you know, quick or I say quickly, but obviously it takes time, but uh, movies that are made a little bit quicker, a little bit more of at a rapid pace. And it's, uh, you know, in a high volume of movies, it seemed like first there was, you know, one and then all of a sudden two, three, four, five, they just came rapid fire. Does that reflect the pace of the industry in Newfoundland? It certainly does. Um, I think that a healthy industry works when you have large, dramatic productions that take significant time and development, but also when you have, um, you know, smaller, lower-budget productions that can be filmed easily and quickly. Um, it's a huge benefit uh, to what we're doing here as a part of the growth, especially, again, back to that training aspect. You'll get a lot of people working on those short, shorter-term films and then growing into the other larger um, you know, skilled workforce with, you know, Hudson and Rex and Son of a Critch and then films like The King Tide. Uh, so really, we kind of um, look at it as a holistic of approach that, uh, you know, there's going to be some aspects that take a little bit longer to pull together and others um, that are much faster. And it really is a benefit to everyone. How has the uh, film industry been for the tourism market in Newfoundland? I mean, it has been great. We work really well with our friends in tourism. I mean, Disney tourism is a real thing. Uh, you know, I have to let's give credit back to Republic of Doyle. The number of people that visited Newfoundland and Labrador when that show uh, hit screens all across Canada and the U.S. I mean, at the Duke, um, you know, looking at other lovely locations that were showcased there. I think that tourism still happens. Um, and really, we I think it's now with this new front facing um, picture and L uh, rebrand, I think that's something more we need to work on is that side of what the film and television market has to bring to our, to our tourism friends. And that is the CEO and film commissioner for Picture NL, formerly the Newfoundland Labrador Film Development Corp. Laura Churchill in conversation with Noah Shepard. Thanks again, Noah, for that. Just enough time, ladies and gentlemen, to say um, thanks very much for listening. Drive safely. Arrive alive. VOCM cares.